0: you need a landscaping job tackled, Keen Landscaping is a family-owned and operated full-service landscaping company based in Dallas, Texas. Anything from property restoration and tree printing or removal to landscape design, construction and installation, Keen covers it all. They're also the official landscape company of the Dallas Stars. Learn more at KeenLandscaping.com. Again, that's K-E-A-N-E Landscaping.com. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keen, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keen.
1: Episode 51, rolling along here, Billy. Got your coffee, I got my mineral water here. Let's go. So uh, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to try to do it in probably 30 to 45 minutes. Because Parker's got to go deer hunting. Um, so we're going to talk Corey Sanhagen. We're going to recap uh, Barris. Barris, Bellator Paris' card. Um, maybe the best KO of all time. We've got a big fight night coming up in the UFC this weekend back in Fight Island. And then Chris Cyborg is back in action. So, Billy, let's get back into it. Let's start with uh, last week's UFC card. Our guy, Joaquin Buckley with, in my opinion, one of the greatest UFC knockouts of all time. What was your immediate reaction, and how many times have you watched it? I mean, I've easily watched
2: it hundreds of times. Um, A lot of the times, I think, like, you see a big knockout in the UFC, and everyone's like, oh, wow, that's, like, the greatest knockout I've ever seen. Like, this one is, is actually one of the greatest knockouts I've ever seen, and you and I have watched thousands of fights at this point and hundreds of knockouts and that is still one of the most impressive things i've ever seen in mixed martial arts
1: yeah i i agree i've watched it i mean it's everywhere everywhere that that thing went viral um so yeah in my opinion and we'll get into kind of where do we rank this all time um this is one of the most athletic knockouts I've ever seen. I, I think I've seen maybe more vicious knockouts, like the Dan Henderson, Bisming knockout comes to mind. Um, but this is up there with the Showtime Pettis knockout, the uh, Terry Adam and Edson Barbosa knockout. Just like the sh- sheer athleticism to have a kick caught, which is, you know, when you catch a kick, you're intending to turn your opponent so you can. Gain the advantage. He uses the momentum of the caught kick, pivots and just foot to the face, Billy. I, that was freaking incredible, incredible. So, all right, let's go to my next question. Um, is this the best KO of all time? Uh,
2: you know, it's it's impossible to say, right? Like, I feel like there's a few, and we'll get into it here. But there's a few where it's like basically personal preference. But ultimately, to me, like it doesn't matter. Like this is in the conversation, right? And like, if you want to say that this is the best of all time, if you're a newer fan who maybe hasn't seen some of the KOs that we're gonna bring up here, I, you know, I have no problem with that. Like, this is certainly up there. Like you said, it's one of the most athletic maneuvers I've ever seen. And you know, you know, Monday morning, and we know Monday morning in the MMA world doesn't come to about 11 a.m., but you know that Monday morning, a lot of those fighters were, were practicing this in the gym. And that, to me, is the biggest sign of, of something that is truly a special moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's get into it. Um, all right, Billy. Where do you rank this in your top five KOs of all time in the UFC?
2: So I'm going to start at five and go to one. Okay. So my number five all-time KO in the UFC Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey, the head kick that yeah. shocked the world. Um, just an iconic moment. Um, fourth is my my all time favorite, personally, but Anderson Silva against Vitor Belfort, front kick to the face, another just iconic moment in the in the UFC. Third, I had our boy Joaquin Buckley against Impa Kasaganai. Uh, This caught caught spinning kick. I mean. Just unbelievable. So I have two above that from this weekend: Jorge Masvidal against Ben Askren. It was just at the time, yeah. at the moment, that was considered such an even fight, and the just shock of that running, flying knee KO is it's still shocking to this day. And then my number one KO of all time. I don't know that this will ever get topped, but Yair Rodriguez against the Korean Zombie. Yair is losing the fight. It's at the very last second. It's such an unorthodox technique, that kind of rising back elbow. Um, I don't know that we'll ever see anything like that. I mean, it's just like it's one of the most bizarre but amazing things I've ever seen. Um, That's my number one
1: of all time. I slept on that one. That one didn't make my list. I dropped the ball there. But, um, all right. My number five, I agree with you was Holly versus Rhonda. That was one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. I just remember watching it live and it was at the height of Rhonda's powers and she just felt invincible. And then Holly knocks her out with that vicious head kick in front of 55,000 people in Australia. Uh, that was incredible. Number four, I had Connor versus Aldo, um, it's just one of those for me that I'll never forget. Where I was at watching that fight, and there was so much hype behind that fight. And you know, Conor knocks him out with one punch in 13 seconds um, back at UFC 194. So that was a big one for me. Um, Henderson versus Bisbing. That, in my mind, is one of the most vicious knockouts I've ever seen in the UFC. It's just so brutal, and it's man, it's just so violent. And you see the lasting effects on Bisming's eye. That was the punch that uh, – the, the follow-up punch was the one that basically blinded him in one eye. So that was one of the most brutal knockouts of all time. That's my number three. Um, and then I I think at the top it, it's close. I had three. I had the Edson Barbosa versus Terry Adam, um spinning wheel kick knockout where – it's very, it's similar to this Buckley knockout where Terry Adam is just like frozen space and just slow motion falls to the ground. Um, that's a classic for me. The Gamebred versus Askren one that was one of the most shocking, just like most most athletic, like out of nowhere things I've ever seen. So that's that's up there. And then I'm gonna put this Joaquin Buckley one right up there with these guys. It's very very similar, and I I'm hard pressed to find a better knockout. In not only the UFC but in MMA, that's unbelievable. So I'm I just want to, for the yeah.
2: viewers out here or the the viewers, the listeners, you had six KOs in your top five, and not one of them was Yair Rodriguez in the Korean Zombie.
1: What? I don't know. I don't know. That You're one wasn't that the special wheel here, for Parker. me. Uh, I don't know. That wasn't that special for me. I'm not a big Yair fan after he dissed my guy Jeremy Stevens in Mexico. <laughs> I've been off the Yair bandwagon, but those are my top five. of
2: Pantera, baby.
1: Yeah, and I think with this one, it's like the only thing that separates this from like not being a like first ballot number one knockout of all time. It's just like it was kind of like a contender fight. It's you know two guys coming. I think Buckley's from Bellator and then um, Impa's. No, Impa's from Bellator and Buckley's from the Contender Series.
2: Yeah, but but even Buckley, like, I'm pretty sure he's had two fights on the contender series and never gotten picked for a UFC contract. I think yeah. they kind of just called him in.
1: Yeah, it's just like this was this was a fun matchup, but the ones the other ones we named, there was so much on the line. I mean, they were title fights or number one contender fights. So um that's the only thing that's going to kind of separate that moving forward. But that that definitely that's gotta be added to the uh Bob O'Reilly highlight tape to start the pay-per-views that might be that your last one that was freaking incredible but uh, all right let's move on to big matchup at 135 we talked about last week the importance of this um, it's pretty much our number one contender matchup you had Marlon Moraes taking on Corey Sanhagen um, in, in my opinion Corey Sanhagen controlled this fight from jump you know he just didn't let Marlon get in the fight. He was kind of one step ahead the whole time. He did a brilliant job of controlling the distance. And I mentioned it on the show last week. He reminds me a lot of John Jones, the way he fights. He has this, he, he plays that hand game where he's constantly, you know, picking and prodding at you, setting stuff up. He's staying safe. His defense is unbelievable. He mixes the shots up brilliantly, you know, all the while switching stances and feigning. So, I, I, I have to say in my breakdown, I, I think the the best two comparisons to this performance and this version of Corey Sandhagen is John Jones, and he's got a lot of Israel, out of Sonya. It's like he's mixed those two guys and what they do the best, and that's what he's that's what he's building his game around. He looked incredible. He looked like the best 135er on the planet in that fight.
2: For me, like, I agree with you. I think this is the best Sanhagen has ever looked. It looked exactly, you know, when we spelled out what this fight would look like if Corey Sanhagen was winning, that's exactly what we drew up, right? It was technical. It was footwork. He controlled the distance. Marlon was never allowed to get close. He was never allowed to land power shots. For me, the guy who he reminds me of is if you think of, like, Israel Adesanya is almost like the evolutionary version of Anderson Silva, right? He's not exactly like Anderson Silva. It's almost like an evolved version. San Hagen reminds me so much of Dominic Cruz. The way that he uses the footwork, the way that he's kind of never in the place that you want him to be, and the way that he's able to kind of land these very technical shots, but you'd never feel like he's throwing 100%. That, that to me is very dominant Cruz, but it's it's also the evolution of it, right? It's the game getting better, and he's kind of borrowed from Cruz's style a little bit, but able to kind of put his own flair on it. And I think his jujitsu jitsu is actually a lot better than Dom's. So I was very, very impressed with Corey Sanhagen in this in this matchup.
1: Yeah, and I think with Corey, and we're going to see this a lot moving forward with you know up-and-coming fighters, but Corey is kind of that maybe one of the first crops of fighters that, you know, he's been fighting MMA since he was 14, 15 years old. So he's he's got a very advanced game, and he understands the game so well. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a brilliant performance by him. I, it was the best performance I've seen him have to date. So um, All right, so for Corey, obviously, this is a gigantic win. Um, where, where does this win put him in the – hierarchy at 135 right now
2: yeah I think he's right I mean I see him as like if Jan is the champion and Aljo is the number one contender I don't see how you put Corey any lower than number two honestly I think the the challenge for him is with Aljo and Piotr Jan now booked for the bantamweight title which we'll talk about um in the current events section like the you, if you're Sanhagen, you have to hope that Piotr Jan wins because I don't think he's getting a rematch with Aljo after how dominant Aljo was when they fought. So even though I consider him like kind of right there next to challenge for that title, I, I do think like he needs to really be rooting for Piotr Jan.
1: Yeah, I, I think he falls in at number two. I think the, the dark horse here is... T.J. Dillashaw. T.J. Dillashaw is back in January, I believe. And you look at the timelines. These guys are going to fight in December. I think it just got booked for December 12th. So you have Corey and you have T.J. fight first of J- January. Maybe put him on the Conor McGregor card. I mean, that that's a perfect matchup. And T.J. TJ's someone that Corey can build a name off of. TJ's super competitive still, I think. You know, he's – and he's – a lot better matchup, you know, for the division than putting Corey with Dominic Cruz or Uriah Faber. You know, so I, I think that's the fight that makes sense next. You make that at the beginning of the year and then the winner gets a winner of Jan versus Sterling. I, I think that's what you do.
2: See, I, for me and and I think you know what we're really talking about here is what's next for Corey Sanhagen, right? Yeah. But uh, for me, I love the Frankie Edgar fight. I think that's perfect. I think Edgar's coming off a big win against Pedro Munoz. I nice. think he's, you know, he, he's an Ali al client. So, you know, he's getting pushed towards the, the title. And I, I just think, like, if if you really want to test him against someone who is not going to just absolutely brutalize him a la a Cody Garbrandt, like, I think Corey Sanhagen is a nice matchup for Frankie who's looking for a top five guy.
1: Co- Cody and, and the Cody and Frankie the are Cody and Frankie train out of the same camp now, don't they? In New Jersey? I Cody's Cody's
2: there part time. Um yeah. and Cody's an Ali guy as well. But I you know, I, I just don't know who you do for Frankie Edgar then if it's not Corey Sanhagen.
1: I, I still like the Frankie and Dom fight. I don't know. I think that's a fun legend fight. I I just I know court or Frankie.
2: Frankie closer to the title though. That's my thing.
1: I don't know. I just don't want to that's see what Frankie's- he wants. Do you think Frankie right now is competitive with the top three guys at bantamweight? San Hagen, and Sterling.
2: I you know what? I don't. But I also didn't think that Frankie would be as competitive as he was against Pedro Munoz. And I think Munoz probably hits harder than any of those three guys.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, all right, let's talk about the wheel kick knockout. Um, was that the best knockout that you've seen in a main event this year?
2: In a main event, yeah, I, I think so. Because if you look at the knockouts from main events from this year, like I mean, it's it's basically heavyweights and Justin Gaethje. Um, so I, I I really think that was the most substance and flash we've seen from a main event. KO.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I had that one and then the Jan Blachowicz Corey Anderson um, knockout was pretty vicious and you know, that led to Jan eventually getting that title wrapped around his waist. So I I think that was an important one that kind of gets slept on. That was like a random fight night or something. Um, But yeah, definitely a huge, huge knockout huge win for Corey Um, For Marlon where does he go from here?
2: I've been calling for this for a minute now, I feel like, but I want to see the Jose Aldo rematch. I think that was a good fight. It was an exciting fight. You could easily headline a fight night with those two guys. It was controversial from a decision standpoint. like, you know, And it's two Brazilian guys. I think that's an interesting matchup. Um, the other guy I had down here, another Brazilian guy, but Pedro Munoz. I think Pedro Munoz against Marlon Marais is a really fun fight. I think you could also headline a fight night, but, um, Marlon did not, did not look that good in this fight. And I was a little disappointed, um, because, you know, I think he's one of the most exciting and most skilled fighters in that division. And I'm kind of hoping that he's not falling off because he did not look like himself against Sanhagen.
1: What about Aldo and Frankie Edgar?
2: They've already fought twice, and Aldo's beaten the crap out of Frankie both yeah. times. So, so, so let's look at this.
1: Um, let's look at the rankings. Um, let's just run through and match them up real quick. So you've got Jan and Sterling are fighting for sure. Your number three is Corey Sanhagen. He just beat Marlon Marais, and then number five, is Frankie Edgar, and then obviously, like we said, TJ Dillashaw is getting thrown back into the mix, and you're gonna assume he's gonna be thrown back in the top five. So, if you're the matchmakers, how do you do it over the next six months at 135?
2: So, I go Aljo versus Jan, already booked. I go uh, Sanhagen against Frankie Edgar. Marlon against Jose Aldo. And I either do the Cody-Pedro Munoz uh, rematch, unless Cody's going like full-time to 125, in which case, I would do maybe Munoz against like a Jimmy Rivera at 135. What do, you do with, what do you do with TJ? Oh, if I'm TJ, my first fight back for TJ Dillashaw is the Dom Cruz rematch.
1: Yeah? Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, you. I mean, you have the storylines built in with TJ, with Dom Cruz, and obviously Cody Garbrandt. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. 135 is freaking on fire right now. I, I think this might be... Outside of 155 right now, your best division in the UFC. So um, huge win for Corey Sanhagen. Um, let's move on here, Billy. Let me get back to my stuff. All right, outside of the main event, um, any other notable fights you want to talk about?
2: I gave you guys this guy on the heart, you know, for my uh, my hardcore fight, but. My guy, Dreykus Duplessis, looked pretty damn good out there, knocking out Marcus Perez in about three minutes. Um, Perez has not been knocked out since 2016, never been knocked out in the first round. Uh, My guy, Dreykus, made it look easy. I think he's ready for a top 20 or a top 15 matchup at middleweight. Um, I think that's a guy to watch for sure. Um, But ton of good, ton of good knockouts on this card.
1: Yeah, um, I had Edson Barbosa with a uh, reborn Edson Barbosa with a like afro he's got going on and like a dirty beard. He still looked good, like really, really good. And Mark, Maquan, he switched amps. Oh, he did?
2: He's at American Top Team now.
1: Oh, okay. Well, he took on our guy, uh, Amir Khani, who's a really solid wrestler, strong guy at 145, and just picked him up. Mr. Apart. Finland. Yeah, I, I thought that was a 30 to 26 card. I mean, it looked dominant, dominant to me. So that I want to ask you about Barbosa. What do you think Barbosa's future is and what is his ceiling at 145? Because he's kind of in a weird place right now. I think he's hanging around like the top 10. He just dominated, uh, what, top 15 ranked guy. So where does he go from here?
2: I, you know, I thought he beat Dan Ige too, and Dan Ige was fighting the top five fight. Like, I think Edson Barbosa, to me doesn't look like he's lost cardio at 145. Doesn't look like he's lost his chin at 145. The question is, when he gets, you know, close to that top of that division, and he's starting to fight, you know, the, the key to beat Edson Barbosa has always been the wrestling, right? So that, that's the question is at 145 when he gets into that top 10 when he starts facing guys who have better takedowns like is he able to defend against it but he looked great against Amir Khani, so I think I think he's two or three wins away from being you know right there in that title contention and you know I know he's 35 years old but I don't see any reason why he can't make one last run and try and you know push for those top 5 matchups.
1: Yeah, I mean you look at him he this week he comes in at number eight at 145. Ahead of him, he's got Dan Ige, who you know you and I both thought he beat uh, Yair Rodriguez. Great fight, but you know another striker, Calvin Cater, uh, Korean zombies a beat Max Holloway, Volkanovski. I mean, I, I think he's competitive in pretty much all of those fights right now, maybe outside of Volkanovsky. Yeah. So, and um, if you look
2: at it like. You look at, you know, Sadiq Youssef, Shane Burgos, Arnold Allen, Jeremy Stevens, you know, even Josh Emmett, like all of those matchups for Edson Barbosa in the top 15 are all fun. You could all you could headline fight nights with them across the board, which we know the USC is loving to do right now. So. You know, and those are all winnable fights. I think those are all winnable fights for Edson Barbosa. So, you know, he gets in there. I think he's really two or three wins from a number one contender fight. So I would not sleep on Edson Barbosa in that division.
1: No, I wouldn't either. Um, All right, let's move on, Billy. I'm going to let you talk about Bellator because I did not tune into Bellator Paris. I watched the highlights, but um, go ahead. Jump in.
2: Yeah. So first, first ever MMA event in Paris, a major MMA event. So um, Bellator once again, beating the UFC to a particular location. Um, Tim Johnson defeats Chick Congo in the main event. Um, Tim Johnson Parker now won three in a row in the Bellator heavyweight division. Do you think he is next for Ryan Bader in the Bellator heavyweight title?
1: I don't see why not. I mean, who else is there? So the guy that I don't know what's going
2: on is Vitali Minakov. Vitali fought Tim Johnson like I think a year and a half ago, knocked him out in the first round in vicious brutal fashion. Um, but if it's not him, and I don't know what's going on with him with Bellator, he hasn't fought since he knocked out Tim Johnson. I mean, Tim is has 1-3 straight. He's Beaten, you know, Tyrell Fortune, Matt Mitrione, and now Chick Congo, uh, three of the best guys in Bellator's heavyweight division. And if I'm Ryan Bader, I look at this guy who, uh, you know, a lot of people would say is a little over the hill. And I'm thinking this is my fight to get back on track after losing in cough. So I, I like this fight. And in all honesty, Tim Johnson's got the best mustache in MMA, like, why not? I mean, as a casual fan, this is a guy I want to see fight for this kind of heavyweight title.
1: How dare you say that about uh, Eddie Wineland? Eddie Wineland's got the best mustache in uh, MMA, Billy. (laughs) Um, All right. MVP gets another win, um, albeit in somewhat of a lackluster way. It obviously wasn't You know, a spectacular highlight reel knockout for MVP, but he did get a win. Um, He went on to call out Douglas Lima for his next fight. Do you think that's the right fight for Bellator to make right now?
2: I mean, you could go that direction. I wouldn't be upset with it. Um, I do think Lorenz Larkin is going to get the next shot at that welterweight title. Um, I would like to see, I really want to see MVP fight Neiman Gracie. Neiman Gracie's coming off a win against John Fitch. He beat Ed Ruth. He had a pretty close fight with uh, Rory McDonald. Like, I want to see MVP take on a guy like that who's a great grappler um, and see him in a real MMA fight, honestly. I-, I think I think that's that's the fight to make, and that's kind of the number one contender fight for Bellator at welterweight for me.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, what do you make of MVP's career you know thus far and the competition he's fought and moving forward ha- how do you think bellator needs to match him up because he obviously he can't keep fighting these guys you know on one to two days notice like the random guy he fought from ireland that he starts in 30 seconds um he's got to fight the top guys at bellator now at this point in his career i think he's 13 fights into his bellator career so um what do you make of the current state of michael venom page and where he needs to go from here
2: yeah, I think I mean Ross Houston is is probably a little bit better than most of the guys he's been fighting. I think Houston is like eleven and two or eleven and three. Like it's not a complete scrub. Um and I'm fine if MVP kind of takes what I'd call like these stay busy fights, right? Where like if he's gonna fight a top guy two or three times a year and then fight like These, you know, kickboxers and kind of random regional guys two or three times a year. I'm totally fine with that. The problem I have is if he's only going to fight the regional level guys, because I get the idea of like he needs to stay busy. You know, he does better when he's kind of constantly in fight. Interest in these Ross Houston type fights. I want to see him take on the top guys, you know, at some point. So. You know, the the guys that he's fought, like, you know, he fought Douglas Lima. He fought Paul Daly. Like, those are interesting fights to me. I'd like to see him at least two or three times a year really challenge himself in addition to kind of doing these exhibition fights.
1: I, I think so. I think he needs to kind of decide what he wants to be. Does he want to be the best welterweight on the planet, or does he want to have the craziest knockout highlight reel? And I, I think Bellator will kind of oblige him either way. Um, But at this point in his career, I I would like to see him fight the best. And that's, you know, Leem, Neiman Gracie, uh, Paul Daly still dangling around there, isn't he? Or did Paul Daly get cut from Bellator? He's still there, right?
2: Paul Paul Daly's got one more fight left at 175 pounds, and then he's going to
1: retire. Yeah. All right. So, um, decent card from Bellator. Um, Now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Billy's Hardcore Minute. So, Billy, take it away.
2: KSW 55 live from Poland live audience wild pyrotechnics They had a caged elevator they were using to bring fighters into the cage but the highlight from that Mehmed Khalidov, one of the best active fighters to never fight in the UFC 40 years old Polish KSW legend knocks out Scott Ashcombe to regain his light heavyweight title Absolutely amazing KO. Switch kick knockout. Um, this was absolutely incredible. Very dramatic, Parker. Um, did you see the highlight of Kaladoff knocking out Scott Ashcomb?
1: Yeah, that was crazy. That was. I think that one kind of started to go viral just before the Buckley one, too, didn't it? Because I actually saw that first, and then... And then the internet shut down with the uh, with the Buckley one. So, yeah, that was an awesome, awesome um, knockout. I, I still have to sit down and watch a KSW card, Billy. So maybe when corona clears, you, you and I will plan a uh, special episode to watch a KSW card. Um, all right, Billy, that leads me to my next question. Give me your top five current active fighters, the best current active fighters outside of the UFC.
2: Cool. So I'm going to try and focus this on guys who have also never fought in the UFC. So, like, notice, dis- no disrespect to your Rory McDonald's, Demetrius Johnson types of this world. Um, number five, Mohamed Kaladoff. I mean, guy is a freaking legend. Go look up his highlights. He is amazing. Uh, four, Kai Asakura knocked out Kyoji Horiguchi in Japan. I think he's one of the best flyweights on the planet. Um, really, really good fighter in Ryzen. Number three, Roberto Soldic. Welterweight, KSW champion, has beaten our guy, Du Duplessis, who just got his knockout in the UFC this weekend. Unbelievable Croatian fighter, nicknamed the RoboCop. Uh, you can frequently see me tweeting when he fights. He's going to be on the next KSW card. Number two, Vadim Nemkov. Light heavyweight, Team Fedor, just won the Bellator light heavyweight title. Looks absolutely incredible. I think he's one of the best light heavyweights on the planet. And then number one, Parker, our guy. A guy that I think is one of the best welterweights on the planet, Douglas Lima. Challenging next to be a double champion in Bellator against Gegard Mousasi uh, for the middleweight title. Really, really good fighter. Parker, wh- who's your favorite out of those five?
1: Man, I, I like um, – Douglas Lima is the – I think he's one of the best fighters on the planet right now. But I like my guy, the Asakura brothers. That's the, that's the Korean uh, or Japanese uh, Diaz brothers, brothers, right? Yeah, yeah. I like those guys. Those guys have some serious highlight tapes. But, um, yeah, I think you got to go with Douglas Lima. Um, all right. So that was fun. Billy's hardcore moment. We're moving on, Billy. We got a big, big fight this weekend. Kind of snuck up on me a little bit. But we've got uh, the Korean Zombie back in action, taking on Brian Ortega, who's coming off a two-year layoff. Um, What are your initial thoughts on this fight?
2: I've been very vocal about that I think Korean Zombie is the best featherweight on the planet. I've said it numerous times, no matter how many times Parker makes fun of me. Like, that's, that's my guy. And then Brian Ortega most recently was an undefeated fighter fighting for the title. That's his last fight. I mean, this to me is a clear number one contender fight. It's a clear matchup of exciting styles. The grappling exchanges are going to be incredible, in my opinion. Um, I'm really excited for this. I think this is a great, great action fight.
1: Billy, this is one of those fights that just will not suck. There's no way this fight's going to suck. So uh, for Ortega, I think the big question this week around this fight is what can we expect from Brian Ortega off a two-year layoff after that absolute war he had with Max Holloway?
2: I think the thing
1: with Ortega
2: is like even before that war where he really got pieced up against Max Holloway, but even before that, he was kind of known as a slow starter. Like the joke around MMA Twitter is that Brian Ortega is the – best fighter to never have one around in the UFC because he would like frequently have these fights where he was like losing up until the moment where he snatched a submission or, you know, he uppercutted Frankie Edgar and um, you know, he just kind of like snatches these victories from kind of unlikely places. And so uh, I I think he's going to be a slow starter against zombie, which could be very dangerous because as we've seen, Zombie comes right for it, man. You look at the fights against Frankie Edgar, the fight against Hinata Moikano. I mean, Korean Zombie's not messing around. And so I kind of expect a slow start out of Ortega here. I think Ring Rust is a real thing.
1: Yeah, I, I had the same thing in my notes. So Zombie um, is famously known for taking that, like a three year, three, four year leave of absence for his military service. Um, ever since then, he's been on a roll. He. Really should be 4-0. and We talked about it earlier that Yair Rodriguez caught him in that last second of that fight. But that was a fight that he was dominating. In those four fights, every one of them, he got fight of the night or performance of the night. So every time the zombie comes out, he's coming for action and he's coming to finish the fight. Um, for Ortega, man, it's – I don't know. This is a long layoff, especially coming off a – fight in, he, in which he took so much damage to Max Holloway. And it was a fight he hung around. He made it somewhat competitive, but he took a lot of damage in that fight. I, I think he tore up his knee in that fight. He had all kinds of injuries and surgeries after that fight. So um, it's hard for a guy to come, you know, be on the shelf for two years and then jump back in with a guy like Korean Zombie. It's, just, it's a big ask for Brian Ortega. But on the other end, it's like, hey, two years is a lot of time to get better and evolve your game and bring more to the table. So this, this fight is very, very interesting. Um, for Korean Zombie, do you think he screwed himself out of that 145 title fight by stepping in and taking this fight with Ortega?
2: I mean, in my opinion, I think he did a little bit. I, I think he was the natural number one contender. I think it was kind of undisputed. I think he would have been the next guy. I, I think he – I think this fight is very personal for him. Like, you know, they had that whole beef with Ortega coming after Jay Park, Korean Zombie's, like, manager slash friend. Billy's and favorite like, artist,
1: K-pop yeah, star.
2: My big K-pop guy. Um just dynamite on repeat all day. Um, the, but I, I, you know, I think, I, I think he could have been the very next guy for Volkanovsky, maybe as early as December, if he doesn't take this fight. But I think he kind of wanted to prove it against Brian Ortega. And that's kind of the, that's Korean zombies career, right? He, 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 doesn't really care about that title belt. He wants to prove he's the best guy. And this is going to do it, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, I mean, it's hard because you've got the max fight that's kind of lingering, the trilogy, which I am i don't think you or me are really clamoring for that fight right away. I think it needs to build back up again. And then you have Triple C trying to come back and get that 145 belt. I, I don't know. I, I think there was just, the timing was kind of screwed up, and I I, I agree. I, I think if Korean Zombie comes in here and gets a you know solid statement win against a guy like Brian Ortega, I think he's undeniable, and he needs to get that next title belt against Volk or title shot against Volk. So, um, Billy, where do these guys go from here um, with the win or with the loss?
2: I mean, this is a number one contender fight, yeah, right? I like i I think very, very clearly this is a number one contender fight. Right. Um I I I mean personally, if if I'm matchmaking, whoever loses this fight, I would like to see I would basically treat this as like a mini tournament with the Zabit Yair Rodriguez eventual matchup that we all yeah. want to see. So I would like to see the winner of this fight, fight for the title next. And then the loser of this fight, fight the loser of Yair versus Zabit. Um, and then I'd like to see Calvin Cater fight Max Holloway. And that's how I would match up
1: 145. All right, I'm down with that. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Um, all right, give me your prediction.
2: I love the Korean zombie here. I Like I said, I think Ortega is a slow starter. I think he tends to lose rounds, especially early. Um, I think Korean Zombie has an unreal chin, has unreal submission defense. Um, I'm going to take Korean Zombie knockout round two. I just don't think Brian Ortega is prepared for the striking that Korean Zombie is going to bring
1: i i think this is going to go a little later into the fight i've got korean zombie by fourth round knockout i i I do think it's going to be a crazy fight i think we're going to get a little bit of a war here both of these guys are super tough um ortega's got incredible jujitsu like you said korean Zombie's got incredible submission to defense so i i think you see a little bit of everything here i think it's a war on the feet i think you see really really good grappling exchanges but i i do think that korean zombie just wears him down eventually and then we'll catch him late so i'm going to go fourth round knockout um, Korean zombie. All right, let's move on next. Um, any other card? any other fights on this card you want to talk about?
2: Return of Thomas Almeida. I'd be remiss if I didn't give him a shout out. I mean, he's been out for four years, right? But at one point, Parker, I mean, kind of like when Cody Garbrandt was on his rise, Thomas Almeida was considered the most exciting prospect at 135 He's a first-team all-violence fighter. He's a brawler. He brings it every single time. You know, uh, to me, this is a can't-miss fight. Like, this is, you know, you want to talk about guys whose fights never suck. Like, Thomas Almeida was almost like Justin Gaethje at 135 before Gaethje got to the UFC.
1: I got my guy James Krause is back in action this week, taking on uh, Claudio Silva. So, James Krause, always a guy I keep my eye on, but great fighter and kind of one of the most game fighters on the roster. Me and Billy talked about it six months or so when he six months or so ago when he stepped in on like 18 hours notice or something crazy. So, um, yeah, James Cross back in action this week. All right, Billy, um, Cyborg is also back in action this week. Tell us about this fight.
2: So let's talk about her opponent, right? Arlene Blenko. That's what everyone always wants to know. Whenever Cyborg fights, like what poor soul is getting sacrificed. um, Arlene Blenko, only losses since 2016 are decision losses. One of them is a split decision to Julia Budd, who was Cyborg's last opponent, former Bellator featherweight champion. Over that stretch, she's six and two. All of the wins, all of the fights are in Bellator, including a win over Leslie Smith, who is a former Cyborg opponent, former UFC fighter, very legit 145-er. Easily, in my opinion, resume wise, is one of the five best women at 145 on the planet. I truly believe she has zero chance against Chris Cyborg. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. I I don't think anyone outside of Amanda Nunes has a chance at Chris Cyborg. I just don't. So, uh, Billy, we're assuming Cyborg's going to go ahead and fight out her career in Bellator. How many times do you think she defends her title before she hangs it up?
2: My, I think she will defend it seven more times. So this will be her first title defense. I believe she will fight seven more times in the Bellator cage, defending her title, and then she will hang it up. I also believe that at one point during that time, she's going to fight Katie Taylor for a boxing world title.
1: That'd be awesome. Um, all right, Billy, give me your prediction
2: uh Blenco has never been ko'd she's very tough i'm gonna go cyborg fourth round ko i think Blenko kind of hangs hangs tough in there for a minute before eventually succumbing to the power of chris
1: cyborg i'm gonna go the opposite i think cyborg gets her out of there in two so i'm going second round knockout chris cyborg um any other notable fights on this card?
2: shout out to my boy mike kimball Mike Kimball, Connecticut, represent the two oh three, Southwest Connecticut. Um unreal power for a hundred and thirty five pound, hundred and forty pound fighter. Um he's lost two straight, but I believe he's gonna make a big comeback. So I, I love I love this fight. How about for you, Parker?
1: Um nothing on the Bellator card. I, I've got in other news, we've got Vasily Lomachenko. Um, you know, for most, for most people, one of the best pound-for-pound pound boxers on the planet. Back in action this week against Teofimo Lopez Jr. Um, this dude, if you haven't watched his highlight tape, is freaking ridiculous. He's like the 135-pound Roy Jones Jr. Um, super athletic, super explosive. Knocking everyone out, doing Fortnite dances and backflips on people's corpses. Um, this is going to be a great fight. Boxing... This doesn't happen a lot in boxing, you know, where you get the best guys in somewhat of their prime fighting. And this is one of those fights. You know, this Lopez dude is on the way up. Loma's, you know, been dominating everyone. Um, But this is a really dangerous fight for Lomachenko. So I've got my eye on this one for sure. and It's free on ESPN Saturday. So everyone needs to tune into that.
2: Yeah, and I think like when the year started, Parker, we both talked about how excited we were for boxing this year, how we kind of thought boxing was back, and quite frankly, like they've dropped the ball in in the you know COVID era, right? Like there hasn't been a boxing card or a, or a particular fight that's really caught my eye, um, basically since Fury Wilder, right? But this one I will be tuned in. Uh, it should actually be. You should be able to go right from the Korean Zombie Brian Ortega fight right into Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez, and it's like you said, it's two of the best guys at 135 in their prime, um, and it's a classic. It's a clash of styles, right? It's Lomachenko, who's feet, you know, footwork, speed, um, you know, kind of death by a thousand cuts, and then you have Lopez, who's kind of this long. Extremely powerful boxer for that uh, weight class who is knocking a lot of people out and is kind of this young stud who's the first real challenge to Lomachenko um, in in a while. So I'm I'm excited. I think you know the four top guys at 135 in boxing are Loma, Teofima Lopez, Gervonta Davis, Floyd Mayweather's guy, um, and then Devin Haney over at uh, you know, match room. So I, I, I'm i really excited for this fight and really excited for 135 to kind of get sorted out because that's probably the best weight class in boxing right now.
1: Yeah, and there's serious heat behind this one. These guys hate each other. Um, Lopez Jr.'s dad is his trainer and he's just like a fucking nut. But I, I think it was a couple... It was maybe when, when Lomo fought uh, Linares maybe. But uh, the dad is like in the backstage and he like got into a scuffle with lomachenko on his way to the ring and was basically like hey my son is going to be the one to knock your ass out <laughs> so there there's heat behind this and i i think lopez is going to push lomachenko i think Lomachenko's the better boxer um but i think it's going to be a fun fight especially the first you know four to five rounds i think you're going to be a little chaotic so i would definitely tune into that um I I still think, I think Lomachenko is going to get it done. I think he's kind of the superior boxer. He's got more tools, but this is going to be a really fun fight. So I'm going to go Lomo by decision.
2: I agree with you. I think it's Loma by decision, but I, I do think I agree with you that Teofima Lopez is, is by far, I think the toughest opponent he's fought since Jorge Linares and, I think he's going to scare him early. Like I think we could see a moment where Loma gets caught and there's kind of a wake up moment in, you know, the second or third round, let's say, where he's like, "Okay, I really need to take this guy seriously because um, Lopez has serious power for 135, man. I mean, he could put your lights out. He has really serious power. So. I'm excited for that one.
1: Yeah. So boxing, big boxing fight this weekend. Um, In other news. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier seems to be getting closer to being done. Uh, Connor came out yesterday and basically agreed to the January 23rd date, which I don't. W- w- do you have any problem with if the UFC were, w- were to come in and say, hey, you know, Amanda Nunes, Peter Yan, um, we're going to have to put Connor on your card. Like if Connor wanted to fight in 2020, what is the big deal with adding him to one of those cards?
2: I just think the UFC wants to maintain, and I don't know why they're choosing now to kind of put their foot down on this, but I think they want to maintain this sense of meritocracy where title fights get the top billing and they don't just throw Conor McGregor on there to make a quick buck. I don't understand why it's like they've made that decision, like we need to put our foot down right
1: now in this moment. But after everything that um, they've let him get away with.
2: But that seems to be what's going on. Um, I also feel like I I agree with you. I think it's getting closer. I, I very much hope that we get this matchup because I just love the fight. But I almost feel like Connor is doing little things to kind of sabotage it bit by bit to kind of be difficult, right? Like first it was, it has to be in 2020. And then it was like, okay, I'll take January 23rd, but only if it's at Cowboys Stadium, which we know has been a sticking point for Dana in the past. Um, I I don't know. It feels to me like Connor is doing everything he possibly can to just like make this a little bit harder of a negotiation, if that makes sense.
1: What What do you think? Obviously, that would be huge, but say January 2021. what do you think a Conor McGregor fight at Cowboy Stadium would look like? And do you think that's even logistically possible?
2: I mean, they've had, what, like 25, 30,000 fans in Cowboy Stadium. You know, the Major League Baseball is doing the bubble in Arlington, right, for the NLCS and the World Series, and they're going to have fans. They're having fans at both of those, um, you know, which is obviously across the street from Cowboy Stadium. I mean, I think you could set up like a similar type deal to Fight Island in Arlington, um, where you have you fly the fighters in, you have them get tested, you have them quarantined, and then you let them out. And then you do kind of like a socially distanced stadium setup with fans in Cowboy Stadium. You could probably fit as many fans in there socially distanced as you could, like in a normal arena.
1: Well, um, look at AT&T Center or not AT Team Mobile in Vegas holds what like 18,000. So if you could get 25,000 to a Conor McGregor fight, I mean it would be like regular business. It's not like there would be any hindering, you know, of of the money. And I think that yeah, was a Yeah, I just issue. wonder if, if you're going to do
2: Cowboys Stadium, if you're going to pull that card like don't you kind of want the visual of a hundred thousand people there? No, I, I think like, so.
1: Yeah, but I, I think maybe Connor's looking at it as like, "Hey, we can fit twenty five thousand people in there, and that's more than I would get in Vegas at you know the height of my powers <laughs> for a title fight." So it's still like, you know, I, I still think twenty five thousand people for an MMA fight is huge business. Huge business.
2: I wonder if they try and do it in Vegas at that point, then
1: because they yeah. have
2: the Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play now. Like, yeah. I wonder if Dana kind of uses that as a as a compromise.
1: Yeah, they could do that and then just you know run out of the the Apex like they have been. But um, yeah, it, it seems like we're getting traction and it seems like we're getting a lot closer. So hopefully hopefully they'll just come out and flat announce that maybe in the next week or so and say, hey, yeah, it's booked. We're we're on. So, uh, but like you said, I mean, I love that matchup. That's a great matchup. It makes sense for the division. You get Connor active again. You get Dustin back in it. So, um, yeah, book that fight, UFC. Let's make it happen. Cowboy Stadium, wherever. All right, Billy, one more note to add about the uh, Bantamweight division. The title fight is booked. Um for December 12th, Peter Jan will defend his title against Aljamain Sterling. Um, your initial thoughts on the matchup and why it took so long to book that fight.
2: I, I honestly, I think Dana was waiting for Marlon Marais. I think Dana thought that Marlon was going to beat Corey Sanhagen. And I think he was basically saying that, sitting there like, Marlon beat Jose Aldo. He beat Aljamain Sterling. And he's potentially going to beat Corey Sanhagen. And so, you know, he should actually be considered the number one contender. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, I've been pretty open that I think Aljamain Sterling is right now the best phantom weight on the planet. Um, I don't think anyone can match his grappling. That being said, I think Peter Jan is pretty clearly right. You know, I think they're kind of a 1A, 1B situation, I think this is a super even matchup. I'm very happy. They booked this. I'm very happy. We're going to get this settled by the end of the year. Um, I'm excited. I, I think this is, you know, striker versus grappler USA versus Russia. Um, two guys who genuinely seem to not like each other very much. I don't know who Peter Jan likes in the UFC. I think he's trying to beef with everyone. Um, but I just think like there's so many boxes that this checks and, you know, it's clear number one versus number two, USA versus Russia, striker versus grabber. Uh They don't like each other. It's fun. This is this is very high level MMA and I'm really excited for this fight. What do you think?
1: No, I totally agree. I think you said it well, um, Billy. We did good on our time. I think that's going to be it for episode fifty-one. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're trying to set up a couple different interviews, so be on the lookout for that. But like every like every week, like subscribe, keep sharing it. We'll keep growing and bringing the content. But Billy, solid episode. Any closing words from you?
2: Nah, man, I just can't wait until uh, me and you are cuddled up watching some KSW one of these days.
1: <laughs> can't can't wait. Drinking, taking shots of vodka
2: one of these days we can Billy. look
1: at your uh, shrine
2: to jan Blahovich. yeah there we go all
1: right parker's mma show shining signing out we'll see you next week everyone have a good weekend enjoy the fights
0: texas trees is the premier tree care company in the dfw area whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services when it comes to trees we've got you covered Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborist on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit parkerkeensmmashow.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.